Welcome to the Human Capital Lab, a podcast for learning and development leaders who understand education is the link between employee fulfillment and corporate productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Epler. Let's get started. A constant theme when I attend professional development or conferences with learning leaders is how they earn the ability to impact the organization more effectively. Learning leaders want to understand how to interface with senior leadership better and secure a voice in future planning. But perhaps as important, they want to know how senior leaders think about learning and development and how they can better align what they do with the highest priorities of the business. Avi Khan is someone I have had the pleasure of hearing speak on more than one occasion. He wows the audience with his approach. When I've attended, whenever he's finished presenting, I've heard someone or watched someone walk up to him and ask, where do I send my resume? Avi started his career with Hilti in 2004. He was promoted several times until 2017 when he became CEO of Hilti North America. In 2020, he joined the Group Executive Board with responsibility for American and Asian markets. Hilti has been cited as an international best place to work multiple times, and I often think that it has something to do with Avi. Welcome, Avi. I'm so honored that you were able to join me today for this conversation. Thank you very much, Michelle, for that warm introduction, and thanks for having me on your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure for you to join us today. So during the different types of presentations I've heard you give, some of the, the things that come to mind for our audience would be, if you could give us a brief understanding about Hilti and how learning and development is viewed there. Sure. Hilti is a family-owned company based in Liechtenstein, a very small place. We have 30,000 team members globally. And our mission is to help construction professionals around the world complete their work productively and safely. For us, learning and development is really embedded in everything we do because we promote primarily from within. Almost 90% of our management positions go to internal people. And when you have that very strong desire and track record to develop from within, obviously need a strong approach to learning and development to prepare those team members and leaders for future assignments of larger responsibility. Wow. It really does seem to integrate with the mission and the culture of the organization. Could you tell us a little bit more about the mission of Hilti? Sure. We passionately create enthusiastic customers and build a better future. And in order to create enthusiastic customers, we need to have an in-depth understanding of their work and their needs, and then try to match it with Hilti systems and solutions. We supply tools and fastening products, all technology leading to our customers. With our team members, it starts on their first day when we build their knowledge of the construction industry and the various trades so that they can really be a resource to their customers. They can ask the right questions and understand where the customers have challenges and solve those with Hilti systems and solutions. So you definitely have a strong learning culture within Hilti. I wonder for those that are listening to us, if you could share some of the specific steps and actions that have been taken 
to make sure that learning and development is aligned with the direct strategic plans of your organization. For us, uh, what you just said is extremely important. And in order to ensure that we have a very strong global function for learning and development that is part of our global human resources team. And that team really develops the, the content and the programs. However, it does that in close alignment with our sales regions. You mentioned that I'm responsible for the markets in, in Asia and the Americas. We also operate in Europe, the Middle East, Africa. We have 10 sales regions and in each and every one of them, there is a head of training of learning and development that works very closely as part of that global community. And along the structure, what's also important is the curriculum. And because we promote from within, then our training starts at the entry level, but obviously goes all the way up. So we have a training curriculum for first-time managers to manage their team in an effective way, to bring in the best talent onto their team, to build development and business management plans that are motivating for their people, all the way up to our general manager program. And people like myself, I became a general manager for the first time in my Hilti career back in 2011, when I took over the Canadian organization, there's even a general manager program that helps first-time general managers into their role. And when you couple that with our very focused approach to talent development that ensures there's also the mentorship and the, the structured development plan that people need along the way, it builds a very strong approach that allows people to move within the organization, but sets them up for success. It sounds like to me, it's coupled with, you know, there's continuous quality improvement, but there's also continuous quality learning that is being mapped throughout the entire organization. That's really impressive. Yeah, we really view that as a journey. So learning obviously never ends. We always say that feedback is a gift and we try to view every moment along the way of our very structured people development journey as a way to learn and improve. So over the past two years or so, a lot of things have changed. How have you had to adapt uh, the L&D approach to accommodate these changes? Well, first of all, that's of course very true. Like any other company in the world, we were faced with unprecedented times. I would say three things in response to that. First, as an executive board, I'm part of a group of six uh, executive board members. We were really just overwhelmed with the way our 30,000 team members handle these very difficult times from worrying about their family and their own health to trying to take care of their customers on the, all the restrictions. We have many expats around the world. So that's the first thing that comes to mind to me and my colleagues when we think about the last two years. The second is, I mentioned a big part of our training and development journey is the first training, the first two weeks, actually, that you go through. And that's a lot of hands-on. We sell physical products, uh, drills and fasteners, and we had to move that entirely online. And that was only possible because of that very strong global community that worked together to achieve that. And last but not least, what our learning and development team has now developed, the world has changed. We are physical 
company operating in the physical world, selling to customers. We're a direct sales organization that's very unique in our industry. But many of the customer interactions are also moving online. And they were able to develop the approach and the systems and processes to allow our people to be even more effective online. So along with moving the trainings online, they also helped our people with selling online, which is not something we really have done much of before the last two years and the pandemic, of course. So definitely a lot of change, but also a lot of benefits that come from that as well. When you think about the impact L&D has within the organization, how does it really attract and potentially retain your top talent to get them through the system? Yeah, we clearly use our L&D approach to market ourselves as a company and attract talent. You mentioned in your introduction that we have been selected as a great place to work internationally and also in many of the markets where we operate around the world. We're very proud of that. And we believe it's a structured approach that we have to learning and development. And as I said, it starts day one when you're hired because we build the plan and the training that's needed to get you there but it's the development journey along the way. Many of the new colleagues that join us look to really build a career with us, not to have one job. Even with all the changes that are happening, the great resignation, the tremendous amount of new people we have brought on, we are still enjoying, for example, in the U.S. organization, nearly 10 years is the average tenure of our 4,000 team members. So people join and stay. And we really believe it's the structured learning opportunities that they have throughout their career combined with the very structured approach that our human resources teams empower leaders to deploy to their personal development because development can be moving up to new roles. Development can also be laterally can also be in the same role. So I really believe it doesn't only attract people to come and join us. It's a big reason why we have nearly 90% retention because people choose to stay with us. That is impressive. For our colleagues who are listening to us that are L&D leaders right now, what advice would you give them about how they go about trying to impress their C-suite to gain that seat at the table? What always impressed me about our learning and development teams is that they really are able to connect their activities to the business and specifically to business impact. So we measure the results and the success of the graduates of our various programs and we look at their performance. We measure our ability to have healthy candidate pipelines for the jobs that open up because as I said before, we look to promote from within. And maybe the last thing I would mention for a seat at the table, our learning and development people are really able to look at the business as a whole. They don't view themselves as a silo. And as I said, it's a global function, but it's really also embedded into our local organizations. And they're able to be part of business discussions. They understand the company. They understand the challenges of our customers, the construction professionals around the world. So they're really able to enable leaders, not just to have the right talent, but to make sure that talent is prepared for the challenges ahead. What are some of the surprises that you have seen over the past few years when it comes to 
the approaches L&D has had through other organizations outside of Hilti? Prior to the pandemic, it really surprised me how other companies are really able to leverage technology. I think our desire to come together as people, we also use the moments of learning and those trainings to also invest into our corporate, our very unique corporate culture. But at the same time, other companies have been able to be very effective with digital trainings. And of course, today, after the, the last two years, that's only accelerating. That's honestly an area that we're improving very fast, but I think others have, have perhaps started even before us. And another area uh, that we have done with our partnership also with uh, Bellevue University, we invest into our team members to also go and learn outside of Hilti. And many of them take advantage of our education reimbursement program and the time we allow them to invest into learning. It surprised me, the companies that are further ahead than us, how they get their participation into the program, how they really market and encourage. We always had the program, we always had the reimbursement, but I think our partnership with Bellevue refreshed that view and really allowed us to show our team members the, the partnership and the opportunity that's out there. I see in other companies where L&D really owns and embraces that as part of their overall journey of empowering team members for success. Thank you very much. That was a very nice compliment for our university. What would you tell L&D leaders who are addressing executive team skeptics, see learning as a real expense to cut versus an investment? I think it's always good. As you said, I started in sales. So it's always good when you're trying to sell something, an L&D initiative or yourself to try to put yourself in the shoes of the other person. And those business leaders, like you said, at times they're faced with the decision to cut. For us, the last thing we look to cut is our people and their development. We try to find other discretionary uh, spends that we can reduce cost on. And that's, I think, the key. I wouldn't try to fight the one or the other cost-cutting initiative or keep one or the other training program alive. I would really try to start at the beginning. Why is L&D a possible competitive advantage for a company? What does it do to allow those business leaders that at the moment are pressured for results? What would an investment in L&D allow them to do in the future? How much more competitive would they be? How much more competent would the people be? That would be my advice. Yes, you can always try to save a program that's perhaps being cut, but maybe it's better to focus on the bigger picture and to make sure L&D is viewed as it should be, as an enabler of business success and not just as a pure expense. I think that that's a much more compelling argument is how I would put that. And something at times when folks are, are worrying about their special leadership development program, that they're not thinking holistically of their overall full portfolio and the importance and value it brings throughout the organization. Even just tying it to some of the things that you talked about today when it comes to engagement and retention and reminding them the cost that we're putting in and investing in our people is much less than the cost is to onboard or hire somebody new and find that right new person. Absolutely. Not to mention the business disruption and customer disruption when people leave. So we have always found that investing into our people 
always pays back. And in this environment with the great resignation with roughly half a candidate available for every job, what better place to invest than into one's team members that drive the business every day to ensure, even though they clearly have opportunities to leave the company and go somewhere else, that they actually choose to stay. So I fully agree with what you said. One of the things that uh, I like to try to do is to um, expand our listeners' knowledge a little bit more about our guest when it comes to the resources or the go-tos that they like to read and do that helps keep them informed, be it a favorite podcast, a blog, a e-newsletter, or if there's a certain book that you like to go back and check and refer to that our audience might be able to know about. So I would first say just personally about myself, I maybe spend too much time on this, but I love to read and consume news, uh, be it uh, geopolitical, general news, economic news, especially in my current role in the last two or three years, working with international colleagues, I've always found it very helpful to use the flight time over to read a little bit about the country, be it the background they give me or what I find online to try to better understand the culture and to really stay current and informed on what's happening, as I said, both on the geopolitical side, but also in economic news. Uh, two books that I really, really enjoyed reading and check the box that you said on something to go back to. There's a book called Good to Great. It's uh, the concepts in that book are really well ingrained into our corporate uh, culture. If any of your listeners is going to go and read it after this, then please bear with me because I understand that some of the companies that are given as great are maybe not any more great today, but at the time of writing the book, they were. So I think the principles really still hold. And I actually applied it to, or at least attempted to apply it to my own development journey. This concept of not being satisfied with good and pushing yourself to be great applies to a company, but I believe can also apply to an individual with their own development journey and can also apply to an overall L&D development. And then maybe last one, I really enjoyed reading Blue Ocean uh, Strategy because that's one of the areas I grew and developed it. Hilti, I joined as a salesperson with the responsibility to execute the strategy in front of a customer and learned and developed along the way. And uh, some of it was outside of Hilti. For example, when I got my MBA with Bellevue and also did other courses that were available, but part of it also came from reading, and that's a book that really provides a good framework for strategy. So I really enjoyed reading it. So it just comes to show in my own personal experience, yes, learning and development can come from a structured program that the company provides you for mentorship, and you can always, on your own, seek opportunities to broaden yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Avi, for your time today and for joining us. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow this podcast, share with your L&D colleagues, and tune in again as we continue to discuss learning and development trends, challenges, and future issues. Thank you for joining us on the Human Capital Lab podcast, a growth network podcast production in collaboration with Bellevue University. For more about Bellevue University's Human Capital Lab, head to humancapitallab.org. If you were inspired today, pass the link on to a colleague or friend. 
Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep learning to unlock the long-term potential of human capital.